Faith at the Fringe, a Sanctuary First podcast series. Uncovering God in the creative arts. At the biggest international arts festival in the world, Sanctuary First stops to ask, where does faith and art meet? Welcome to Faith at the Fringe, a Sanctuary First podcast series in which we are seeking to uncover where God can be found in the midst of the Edinburgh International Arts Festival. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Pete Sutton, who is the Minister of St Cuthbert's, which is in the very centre of Edinburgh. And also we have with us our a guest today, who is Nicola Anderson, who is part of the, the gardening team at the, at the famous Princess Street Gardens. And I think, as you said, you're under botanical, sounded very important, botanical services. That's right. So welcome to this podcast. And we look forward to just exploring a little bit with you, Nicola, what your job means and also how you got to know the parish minister. And I think we'll pass on to Pete to get that going. Well, thanks, Albert. And so nice to have you with us, Nicola. And um, in our case, it was quite a strange encounter because it was all around, I think, my crazy dog. Uh Winnie. Winnie, all Uh around Winnie. And as you know, each morning... I tend to walk round the whole of the parish of St Cuthbert, which is a very much a garden parish, which includes a beautiful garden that you walk in. And my take on this is as I go round the garden, I say my prayers. At the start of the day, I pray for my loved ones, I pray for my congregation, but much more, I think the special bit is I just pray for everybody in the parish. And um, I've had the great privilege of uh, bumping into you on many occasions now. Thank you. And it's not just a a bumping in, it's actually a stopping and a chatting. And I think that's what makes our encounters so special. We're not rushing by, we stop and we really chat to each other. So can you remember the first time you saw me and Crazy Winnie? Probably about a couple of months before that and uh, I stopped and... Wanting to pet her, but she was all over you and stuff like that. And a lot, of, a lot of dogs that I meet in the parks are a bit crazy. But uh, I've got a few favourites called uh, Finlay and other dogs. Um, my friend Ben, who is a uh, staffy, but he's not very well. He's eleven and he's got benign tumours. Oh. And one time he saw me at the far end of the West West Gardens, and he saw my yellow jacket, and he dashed. And his master tried to call him back and he just was so really obsessed, wanting to come and get a clap. And, and that's one of my favourite bits of a job is meeting all the dogs and the people and the tourists mm. asking questions like going to the castle, going to St Cuthbert's, seeing one of the one of the classical things that people don't know that Agatha Christie was married second time around by Malouin in St Cuthbert's. So they did. They hadn't known about that, and uh, the quickest way to the castle, and uh, and I just, I really enjoy my work, and to get my hands all dirty with plants and digging, and people ask me questions about plants or, or what to put in the ground, and the first thing is soil sample, more than what plants you should put in. Do you know, Nick, I'm going to enjoy this podcast. <laughs> I'm just looking forward to talking to you because you're such an interesting person. Thank One you. of the things that you've struck me right away is that 
you see the community not only with tourists and the regulars, but also the animals. Yes. And the animals are your friends. Yes, the animals and are my it's friends. It's almost yes. like bringing us, you're bringing us and uh-huh. giving us an insight yes. into how we should be relating to uh-huh. the world around us. Yes, that's right. Yeah, uh, very much. And so. it's almost as though you're doing that, and I hope in this podcast you're going to help us to learn a wee bit more about the importance of that. And I think I think what Albert says is so special as well because. Without you, we wouldn't have a beautiful garden. So you have created and you maintain. Well, well mate, there's, there's there's twelve of us. Oh. So I'm I'm not just I'm not just myself. We team. do. We're, we've got a team, um, and we we try and do that. And also we also do uh, Lorson Castle. We also do Sockton Winter Gardens. Uh, I love Lorston because it's a lunchtime. I can sort of go and meditate at lunchtime overlooking right across to Cramond Island. Yeah. And that's one of my... Or even fall asleep, just hear the sounds of the waves of the, the beach. You were saying at the beginning when I was talking to you about mm-hmm. uh, one of the things you enjoy mm-hmm. is in the morning opening up the gardens. Can you say a wee bit about that? Well, I like opening... Um, on a Sunday, it's so quiet. There's not many people about. And the trams are not working at that specific so you don't have the ding, ding, ding or the, the hustle or bustle of a town or, or the city. And it's so surreal, quiet and spiritual. Spiritual, I find, is... Um, I don't know, something from, from God that is... He's sort of trying to communicate to me and just say it's going to be OK or it's, if you have any difficulty, just say, please help me and stuff like that. But... Uh, just the noise. There's no noise because normally during the day it's so busy, and I get confused because I'm dyslexic. So when somebody comes out and shouts at me or uh, quite aggressive, I just say, "Well, it's it's not me that being aggressive to it. It's something's wrong with them." So I try and calm down, try and calm myself, but also calm themselves down by saying, "Can I help you?" Can you speak slowly? Can you tell me what you need? So you go back into that quiet place. Uh-huh. the quiet right? zone. That yeah. quiet zone where... I'm, I'm reminded as I talked to you uh-huh. about that lovely bit in the Psalms yeah. where it says, be still mm-hmm. and know that I am God. God, yes, that's right. Yeah. So the first lesson I'm learning yeah. from you today uh-huh. is the importance of stillness. And I think for all of us today, from Nicola coming in as a gardener mm-hmm. yeah. in the midst of a very busy busy, busy Edinburgh Festival, you immediately have brought us back to the most important thing as Christians we believe in Mm -hmm. is the stillness and the importance of prayer. Yes, that's right. And, you know, uh, of course, you've shared a little bit with me earlier on about your Christian journey, which is interesting. But there you are working that out in your everyday life, Mm -hmm. in your job. Mm -hmm. And that's fascinating. And I think from my own faith point of view as well, because St Cuthbert's is a garden parish, we're surrounded mm-hmm. by this beautiful garden. I sort of see three areas of the garden. There's the Garden of Eden, the beautiful yes. garden that you and your team uh-huh. are responsible for uh-huh. nurturing and sustaining, and you're great stewards over this beautiful part of the city. But I think, and we spoke about this too, there's also another side to the garden. And in Christ's life, there was a bit of a struggle in yes. the Garden of Gethsemane uh-huh. when, when life wasn't going too well. And you shared with me 
There's a bit of that in Princess Street with the homeless, particularly. Yes, very much so. So could you just explain a wee bit about the homeless folk who, who live in the garden? Um, the, when I talk to them, because there's still people. People just walk right past them. Um, they started to, which I really appreciate, they communicate with me. A lot of people just humbug them and just push them away like a bit of bit of cloth. Mm. And I talk to them like normal people. They've actually started to put the rubbish in a bag. So it's easier for us to put in a black bag because it used to be all stored all over the benches. And now they've been putting them in bags and says, I actually see, I really appreciate it. It makes a le- work less hassle. Um, or the homeless might have a dog uh, for company to get them through their lives because sometimes that's all they, they've got as company. Um, and they have said, well, a lot of the homeless had jobs. They had a family. They had uh, relationships with people. They had. They could have been a manager. They could have been a professor or something. But the last... The, they, came, they, they became homeless through drugs or drink or abusive substances, and uh, like, which could happen to like you and me. And yeah. it's so special that your garden's there for them as well. Yes. I think I think that is such it's a beautiful thing. Like it's like thing. a piece of heaven. And you mentioned a lot of the homeless have dogs yes. as well, their uh-huh. only companion. Yeah. And we find it's in Cuthbert's. We do two big meals a week for the homeless, uh-huh. working with Steps to Hope, our mm-hmm. partner charity. And a lot of the homeless do have dogs. Yeah. And uh, we, they come into the church, and we yeah. love that. Uh-huh. But you mentioned that one of your favourite statues is the statue of Bum. Yeah. The homeless dog from uh-huh. uh, San Diego. Uh, because we've got grey fires. That's right. And uh, they said, bum. you've got grey fires, we've got bum. Yeah, yeah. And we recently, as you know, we relocated bum yes. outside St Cuthbert's uh-huh. yeah. so that the homeless knew that uh-huh. within all these amazing statues, there there's is a statue an for, for yes. them as well. And that, that was because lovely. Because at, King Ste- at King Stables Road, it wasn't seen by the homeless people. And that's why one of, the, one of the main reasons was because of the rock fall and the second one because the, the homeless people couldn't see bum. And it was so appropriate area because it's St Cuthbert's. Mm. And St Cuthbert's is a church where people come to get fed and to see it's a stray dog. Mm. And it was called bum because he, he bummed around. <laughs> Didn't he? He so, did. And you know, in the story as well, if you look closely at uh-huh. the bum statue, he's missing a leg. I noticed that, and yes. He's now by a railway line. And what happened, I believe, uh-huh. is that he saw a stray puppy that was oh, about to be run right. over by oh, a train. Right. Didn't know that. He picked him up with his mouth, but in doing so, he lost his own leg uh-huh. as the train oh, so severed it. Saving. So he's, he's, he's all about sacrifice as well. I didn't realise that. I wondered. And I know you mentioned at the start this idea of sacrifice around the Garden of Remembrance. Yes. yes. Could you say a wee bit about how important the Remembrance uh, Garden is? Well, I always... People come and look at it and I, I see... You have to remember that a lot of... Not just women, uh, men, but women were sacrificing. They, they were in... They did the bit for the war as well. I mean, the men went and fight, fought and they gave up their lives. And sometimes they were about... 16, 17, and they lied about their age and stuff like that, and they wanted to do the, the peace, to, mm-hmm. the war, and to, to, to bring peace, and uh, so we wouldn't have to, so we wouldn't be of the clutches of the, of the German, like um, Nazis and Hitler and stuff like that. So 
Um, I feel it's very strong that we have the statues um, of the war memorial. We have got the Falkland ones, but the Falkland one is not very obvious. That's beside the, the call. Mm. And it was the Sunday Post, all the readers of the Sunday Post, um, put money into the, the Sunday Post paper. And we've got a little corner with a statue there and a little plaque saying it was um, from the, the readers of the Sunday Post in 1982. Um, I'm so glad there's a bit of grass that nobody can sit on because it's for respect for people that have died. And I know one of your other favourite statues combines both the sense of service and sacrifice yes. and remembrance and animals too, and that's yeah. Wojciech. Yeah, Wojciech, Wojciech, the Polish, the Polish soldier that that uh, held hand grenades and and he, he had never held one before, and he he actually came from a Persian jungle. Yeah. And this is and Wojciech the bear. This is yeah. this is Wojciech the bear, and now came upon was. These Polish soldiers was in uh, a Persian um, forest, and this little Persian boy had a sack. And the Polish soldier says, "What have you got in your sack?" And he says, "I've got a beer, a beer cup." He says, "Can we have a look at it?" And the wee Persian boy was absolutely starving, so the Polish soldiers gave him bully beef. You know what bully beef is? It's from the tin. Yeah, corned beef. So he exchanged the corned beef for the the Polish beer. And he served with them so throughout saved, the Second yeah, World War. Yeah, he became and the he, mascot. Yeah. He was a mascot and he had his own passport. It was called Private Wojciech. If you've read the book, it's an amazing book. And normally sometimes during the festival, they have a play about Wojciech as well. And then after the war, he lived in Edinburgh Zoo and died the grand old age of 22. And I heard you saying that he was quite sad towards the end, but the it one was, thing that cheered him up was... Yes, that, that's, that's what Peter was saying, that if he heard a, a Polish voice or a child, Polish child talking in their own language, he would sort of perk up his ears and sort of sta stand up to attention and stuff like that. So. Do you know, when we're talking, what comes into my mind in this, this journey we're having mm -hmm. together, this conversation, we've now talked about homeless people and now we've talked about the sadness yeah. of the bear, not yes. longing for home. Yes. And I think your garden is almost like trying to offer a place, a home. And I would also like to think maybe that that's what you're trying to do with your congregation, your church, being opened as a home. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a challenge to the church mm -hmm. to... That, that we genuinely mean that. You know, it's all right to, in a yeah. sentimental way to say, mm -hmm. oh, this is like a home, to think it up in your head. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I know that St. Martin's in the field down in London, mm -hmm. and when I visited there, yeah. I remember Sam Wells, the minister, telling me that the homeless people were allowed to sleep in the church. Uh -huh. and, wow. and I said, what happens when they leave a mess? He said, well, we just clean it up. Uh -huh. yeah. He said, but he said, because... We don't want people to ever think they've not got a home. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be great if the churches and more of us could think more about this? Mm -hmm. I know that. Also, you know, Josh from Lightbite or from the. Oh, yes, Little yes. John. Uh -huh. Little, yeah. Josh, Little, Little John. John, yeah. It's not Lightbite. What is it? Social Bite. Social Bite. Social Bite. So Social yes. Bite. Uh -huh. Rose Street, yeah. Josh was speaking to me about a few years ago about could we not get some of the churches to put in um, showers? Yeah. For people who are um, 
homeless, but let's wait, not wait, make them you, homeless. Would you do that? Would you put them in the church? Or would, well, well I, I must jump in here because the first <laughs> thing we did in lockdown is we put a shower into St Cuthbert's for our homeless folk. And we stayed open every Sunday in lockdown. Wow. St Cuthbert's was allowed to stay open. Not by the Church of Scotland. They said stay shut. But the by council yourselves. said, uh -huh. what are you are doing for the homeless is so vital. This right. must keep going. And so uh -huh. the first thing we did, we put that shower in. Was into the did, right into the church. Did you have did you have people coming for showers? Yeah, yeah. People uh -huh. coming for showers. Well, and now it's just there because occasionally uh -huh. there will be, you know, a homeless folk who would just need yeah. to you know freshen up and yeah, it's so yeah. lovely to uh -huh, be able to uh -huh, offer that yeah, and they yeah. you know and someone will go with them and look uh -huh, after them uh -huh, and make uh -huh. sure we even put a uh, washing machine a tumble dryer in wow. so while they're having their meal we can wash the clothes and give them back wow. you know 45 minutes uh -huh. later wow. so there's more information for you <laughs> yes, I, didn't, I didn't know <laughs> that no, no. you'll now be able to direct them and say by the way yeah, yeah, <laughs> you need yeah, a shower there's yeah, a go because yeah. the, but this is so important you know yes um, it is uh, helping people mm. and also opening our eyes to this what's happening in the garden mm -hmm. now the other question i wanted to ask you about right go ahead if i can answer it <laughs> is the clock the clock yeah. yes what's Florida the history clock. of that clock do you know about the history of the clock yes it goes back to 1903 and it was superintendent um john john mc john and he was a superintendent of the Edinburgh Council at the time. And his bright idea was to have a clock in the gardens. And it was um, quite a big, large thing. And so it appeared there in 2000, um, no, 1903, and it only had one hand. Right. And in 1904, he spoke to Riches that has been going uh, since 18, 18 something or other, late 18th, um, that's up in the 19th century. Yeah. And they decided to put two hands on. It was one, it had an hour hand and then it had a minute hand. And then it's, then they decided part of the turret was from Ely in Fife. And then, um, so it's just to show the, the public, and it's also the oldest one in the world. Uh, now it's mechanical, because it wasn't, you had to wind it up. Yeah, right. And then I think it was in, I can't remember, in, was it third, 19th, um, I can't really, I don't know the date, but it was mechanical, um, and it, the cuckoo came in 1950, <laughs> and the cuckoos every, every quarter of an hour and on the hour. And everybody comes to say to me, where's the cuckoo clock? Where's the Florida clock? And the first me holiday in May is put into the ground. Uh, we bring it from uh, the inch nurseries, uh, which is a council-run nursery where we get all our bedding plants. That's in the, in the gardens. Yeah. From And um, it takes between four and eight weeks um, and three men... Or not, not three men, three people, because there, uh, there is myself that did it once and another colleague, another female colleague. And, and so it takes between four and eight weeks. We use echeveres, anogaves, lobelia, um, sympathlyrans, begonias, wee ones, uh, black grass, it's got a little purple uh, flower. And at the top of it, we've got antirhinums, which is snapdragons, impatience. 
and then the first thing, of course, we pull it out because the equivies and algarvies was smushy and they rot away. So, and then it goes back to nursery. And I know um, well, your colleague Dave has yes. been doing the clock for 40 years yes. and he retires uh-huh. this year. Yes. But one year you got to do the yes, clock. Yes, I got, I got to do it. And then also, I can't remember what year we had Enable. You know, um, Enable is to support, it's a charity for young adults with special needs. And we worked with them one-to-one when I worked in the nurseries. And that was quite a challenge because they had different disabilities. And that was quite interesting. And I think, you know, you just shared your passion for plants, but Uh not just your passion for plants, but your passion for people. Yes. Your passion for animals. And remember I was telling you, I thought there were three bits of the garden that I see. Uh The Garden of Eden. Uh Joy, oh joy, everyone's happy. The Garden Uh of Gethsemane, where people are struggling. Yes. But the most exciting one for me is the Garden of Resurrection, because that's a garden of hope for the future. That's right. And you probably know that the first time someone encountered Jesus Christ in the Garden of Resurrection, they thought he was a gardener. Yes, I remember. And and I just think that's (laughs) such a beautiful thing. That's you. That's That's you in your garden. Of course, you were telling us that you made your public profession Uh of following Jesus uh, when you were 23. 23, yeah. In St. James's Church. And uh, the the minister was uh, Callum McDougall, who is a a, um, retired minister. And he was at Edelston and in, um, what's the place, Edelston? It's gone up my head. Right. Um, and um, Peebles, yes. Yeah. He was he was a minister there, and he, he was a good friend, and he was a neighbour as well. And I used to look after his children. And he wasn't just a minister. He was a very close friend and a good friend, and he, he got me through a lot of things as well, hmm. uh, good and bad. You know, so. I think that's what all ministers should be, good friends, isn't yes. it? I always wish to like to be able to sign off when you're saying your friend and yes. minister. Yes. There's something quite special about that, isn't there? Because they're people as much as a yeah. minister, and they're yeah. not just, I mean, they work with God or for God and mm. stuff like that. Yeah, and we uh, all do, aren't we? Yes. And it's, it's we encourage one another to see mm. that God's at work in our lives. And I think the lovely thing about every time I meet you in the garden, we uh-huh. just meet as friends. Yes, we do. I'm in uh-huh. my worst That's clothing, great. you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> There's no sign of the minister from St. Cuthbert's there, but we just meet yeah. as friends and it's so lovely. But yeah. you're, you're you and then you have to put like a costume on for yeah. for uh, a minister because you get all the old bodies says, what is he winning today? Yes. No, <laughs> if they saw me like you see me, I'd be, I'd be a bit of... Shake on the head and stuff like that, now, yeah. <laughs> But you yeah. see the real me. Yeah. Well, I like to I like to see the real the real person. Or if if I can't if I can't see the real person, I says, "Can I help you?" Like if I go into a party, I'm always in the kitchen dishing food out, and if somebody comes, and says, "I've got a problem. Can you help me?" I says, "If I can help you, can I help you?" You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, I wonder um, if we could bring the topic just back yeah. to your idea of the Garden of Resurrection, because I think that's such a powerful image to conclude our, mm. our, our podcast on today mm-hmm. and uh, because we, in all the podcasts there have been mm-hmm. an interesting flow of conversation in yeah. past podcasts yeah. and they've they've come to high points but also in points where people have talked about loss and loneliness mm-hmm. and 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 searching and and then the the lift to talk about you know mm-hmm. but where can we find hope 
Mm-hmm. You know, where do we find hope? Yeah. And uh, I think what we're learning today is that if people go for a walk in the Prince's Gardens, mm-hmm. they can indeed encounter hope. Definitely. And I think the lovely thing about hope is it's spontaneous. Yeah. If you imagine you're going to find it, you don't, I think. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But if you're open to finding it yeah. anywhere or with any person uh-huh. or any uh-huh. plant or any pet, yeah. then I think uh-huh. you can be really surprised by hope. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, and so as we look at uh, plants that die but then come back again and, uh-huh. and rejuvenate and grow and, and continue to, to produce, to reproduce themselves... Mm-hmm. As Christians, of course, that's what we are called to be. People who can I say, like one of my favourite plant we've got in the garden is the witch hazel. You know what witch hazel is? It's the the Latin name is a Hemimella smallis, and then it only produces the yellow sort of tips of the the flowers, and it's got this beautiful scent. It only lasts for about a month, and witch hazel is an antiseptic. So if you cut yourself and dab your knee, it, bring, it, it brings the, the bruising and the cut back and it soothes the, the inner bone. Wow. It's in the, the, the body and stuff like that. So I like the witch hazel. And I like, also like the, what's it called? The Saracocca confusula, <laughs> which is the, it's a Christmas box and a sweet box and it smells honey. And that's January, February when you're coming down the, the back of the cottage and it's a smell it reminds me of bees working hard and the drones dying off and the, the drones protecting the, the, the queen bee to produce the honey for human people to eat. Wow, what a lovely time to just finish our <laughs> podcast on. We've, we've had an interesting journey, haven't we? What a, what a beautiful conversation and what a lovely way to spend a lunch hour. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thank you for asking me, Peter. Thank you. My privilege and pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to meet uh, Nikki, you will find her working in the garden. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she's got to still work, so she can't just have conversation with everyone. Uh But uh, she's been a great ambassador for uh, the the city's garden. And I work in the West Gardens, not the East Gardens. So it's the West Gardens. So there you go. So thank you again. uh, My pleasure. It's been a real real insight into faith at the fringe. Now, one of the things we've done at the end of every podcast is we have thanked everyone who looks in. So we'd like to thank you for looking into our podcast today and being part of it. And one of the things we've been doing is offering a blessing to thank you for being with us. So I'd like to just say a blessing. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace, now and always. Amen. Amen. Amen.